Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Welcome, this is Susie Price, and you're at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, where I bring you 20 years of experience in talent management. I've worked as a professional facilitator, consultant, trainer, author, leader, and human resource professional. And if you want to build a Wake Up Eager Workforce, you've come to the right place. And I'm particularly excited about today's episode. It's show number five, and the title is Mythbusters, The Dark Secret of Human Resource Development and What to Do About It. Did you know there's a dark secret of HRD? If you didn't, you will after this podcast, because what we're going to do is I'm interviewing Dr. Denny Coates. He is part of a company that I have worked with with many for many years, PSS, Performance Support Systems, And they provide tools to consultants. So one of the main tools I've used with them is 360 Feedback. I've used that since 2005. And their tool, quite frankly, I'm biased, is uh, one of the best tools on the market. And I can use it in any organization and actually make it available to organizations. And if you want to know more about that tool... It's uh, You can get information. I also have all kinds of tips around how to run a 360 Feedback project. And that can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash 360feedback. All together, 360feedback and lowercase. So you can get information about 360 feedback there. We touch on that in this interview today. Um, and we're also going to talk about a second, another tool, and it'll just be a brief mention of it, is a, a virtual coaching system that they have developed in the recent years. But what I love about Denny in this interview and in my interactions with him and his team is they are consultants to the consultant. Um, they are first and foremost good listeners. They're great researchers. They always do what they say they can do. And they're the kind of people that I can call them at the last minute and I know they'll be there. I can either even put a client on the phone with them and trust that we're going to have an effective and meaningful conversation if we need to talk about some details. So I'm particularly excited about Today's show's show because we're going to talk about the myths in human resource development. And it, we're going to do it a little like the show that this uh, show on Discovery called Mythbusters, where they go in and they try to debunk commonly held beliefs and they do it with science. And that's exactly what happens in this conversation today. Uh, Denny has written a book and in the book he talks about these four myths. And we're going to go through each one and you're going to be surprised at what some of them are. And even though, even though I am very familiar with this research and have been through this, it's still a paradigm shift for me. And, um, it's really going to have you thinking differently about how we learn and how we change behavior and how you manage future training and development initiatives. So I'm very excited about uh, our interview. The show notes for this episode will refer to different things during our talk can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Mythbusters, M-Y-T-H-B-U-S-T-E-R-S, Mythbusters, all lowercase. So uh, let's get started. We're going to look at the myths. We're going to talk about people skills and personal strengths, which are some things that are foundational to success in every position. 
And then we're going to look at some answers and potential solutions to, you know, okay, if these myths are not uh, working out for us and not giving us the results we want, well, what can we do? So let's get to the interview right away. All right, we're here today with Denny Coates. He is the CEO of Performance Support Systems. He's uh, been the CEO and founder of that company since 1987. And Denny has his PhD. And what he has done in his research is study how the brain learns. And through all that research, he's developed some powerful tools, uh, several of which that I have used and work with, 2020 Insight, which is a 360 feedback tool, um, and ProStar Coach, which is an online virtual coaching tool. And I will be going into some detail around both of those tools after the interview. But what we're going to do today is pick Denny's brain about brain research and learning and performance in organizations. Denny, thank you for being on the call today. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to talking about this. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your background. I mentioned that you're the CEO of Performance Support Systems, but you were a consultant before you even started your, your business. Um, just give us a few little facts about uh, your your background that I didn't share. Well, um, my first career was in the U.S. Army. I was a West Point graduate, and I um, served 20 years in the Army. Wow. And a lot of the things that I did were related to training and uh, developing training and personnel management and things like that. So when I retired, I wanted to put that to use. I'd been studying leadership uh, for years and actually had, well, the truth is, I guess I've been in a leadership position for more than 50 years. <laughs> um, so I had something to say and I, yeah. I wanted to help, wanted to help. And um, so I started this company, Performance Support Systems. And uh, I gave, I developed training. It was all custom designed training. Uh, and I did that for quite a while, uh, about, oh, 13 years. And um, one of the things that I learned is that a, a lot of the training that I was doing, I mean, it, they loved it. Yeah. Um, it, was, it. It was right on what they wanted. The, uh, the the leaders in the organization loved it. The, the people attending it loved it, and um, you know, we like we became friends even. <clears throat> so I would go back, you know, later and say, "Well, how's it going here?" And I found out something that really shocked me. Uh, they still loved what happened, but they weren't doing any of it. Um. That was so, that was so disappointing, and it became a common thing, and. Um, I just thought, you know, it's a business, but the satisfaction isn't there. And so the people that I was working with in my company, we decided that that we would develop some tools that would help fix the problem. And we would share these tools with other consultants, trainers, and HR people. And so that's what we've done. Uh, we developed those tools you talked about. And that's, yep. so we've been a, we've been a, an online, um, resource kind of company um, been doing that for a very long time 25 years and yeah so that's and it's been brain-based uh, you know from the very beginning I just had this fascination with the brain and then my basic question was uh, 
okay, I'm in the learning business, but what is learning? I mean, really? What, you know, if you, if you take a human being and you take a good look at him, you know he's got a head on his shoulders, and you know that's where it's happening. It's yeah. really happening in the brain. So what is happening? And I had no, no clue. But I, I wanted to know. And so I began uh, studying neuroscience and cognitive psychology to learn everything I could about how people learn. And, uh, I mean, that was, a, uh, that was something, that was really quite an undertaking. I, I think I've read something like two or 300 books about wow. the brain and about learning. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that adds up to another PhD. I don't know. But, <laughs> I think so. But, yeah, you know, self-taught, you know. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I got the answers. Yes. And, and you know, they, they know, uh, the neuroscientists know how, what happens exactly in the brain when people learn. And I connected the dots about that, and I realized why people weren't doing what they wanted to do, what they knew they should be doing, and they weren't doing it. And, and that, was, yeah. that was fascinating. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get you to share some of that brain research. Um, the book you wrote, The Dark Secret of Human Resource Development, we're going to talk about that book. Um, and we're going to kind of do it in the format of Mythbusters, because in the book, The Dark Secret of Human Resource Development, um, you share four myths around training and development. And I believe if we go through those myths, we're going to um, be able to hear about some of that brain research that you um, discover. So we're going to kind of have our own version of Mythbusters. If you've seen the show, you know, on the Discovery Channel, they debunk, you know, commonly held beliefs and myths through scientific methods. So that's what we're going to do today. And it's interesting, these myths, as I read them off, I'm going to share each one and have you, Danny, go through and, and do your own Mythbusters around each one of those myths, because what's so interesting is each one of these myths are so common, and you see them every day, um, employers trying to fix performance, quote-unquote fix performance. So how about it? Ready for Mythbusters? Okay. Okay, so uh, we want to hear about that brain research, but first we're going to hear it in, in, in the terms of myth number one in the book. Um, when employees have skill deficits, invest in the best training you can find, and your performance problems will be fixed. So why is that a myth? I mean, that makes sense, right? Get training. People will know what to do. They'll do better. Okay, why is that a myth, and what's the real truth? Well, the, the truth is, is that it does work, but, but only about 10 or 20 percent at the most of the times that it's with, say, the 20 percent of the people who are in training will actually yep. uh, carry follow through and get serious about it and take it seriously and, and actually put it into practice to the point where they master it. And Yep. That mean that's good news, you know. I mean there are these really motivated self-motivated people, you know, professional people, successful people. You just got to love them, you know. You know, these yeah. are the top these are the top hires, you know, the people right. you don't ever want to let go. And uh the, you and I know a lot of people like this, you know. Yes. And um uh, so yes, it does actually work the myth. It's really not not a myth in those cases, but in 80% of the cases it right. doesn't work. It does not work. Wow. And that's based on research. Uh, as a matter of fact, 
This research has been around a very long time. Uh, some of the uh, scholars and researchers in this area, over 50 years ago, maybe 60 years ago, were publishing articles about this. And, um, and there, been a, there was a series of articles, you know, at the late 20th century, saying the same thing that you know it's not transferring into performance. Right. What they're what they're what they're learning, they're not doing it. So, a number of books were written about 20 years ago, and you know, I, about a half a dozen books. I've read them, and they're very good. And they all basically say the same: that we got this problem. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we need to do is is more follow through after training. But the fact is, it's still a myth. It, if you know, if you get the best training you can find, you know, cost no object. Get it, put it on. People love it. They, eighty percent of them, are probably not going to be doing it a year later. And you know what that really means <clears throat> is it was wasted. Yep. Because because the people who paid for it, they didn't pay for for people loving it. Twenty percent. Yeah. They, they paid for. Then they don't want them to just know about it. They want them to do it. Yeah. They really do, and it's not happening. So that's a shocking thing, especially when you think about how much money is spent on training in the U.S. alone every year, and it's close to a hundred billion dollars. So what's eighty percent of that? And and that's the dark secret, you know, that yeah. all this money is being wasted. So that's the truth. Mm. And it's interesting that this research has been around and then your research comes out and talking about the dark secret of a, a human resource development. But this myth is so commonly held. It's it's almost like we have hope. You know, it's almost like if I it's almost like the diet industry. You know, if I take this pill, I'm going to be thin. You know, if I, you know, join Nutrisystems, I'll be forever thin, you know, and so people hop on and some people have success, some people don't. It's kind of like training is the same way. It seems so hopeful, you know, it's like there's always a, a sense of hope when a development program is coming through and then there's the kind of left down when it doesn't doesn't uh, make the difference that you hoped it would. I think that's a wonderful analogy. Yeah. So I can see why people still, I mean, I'm, I'm involved with the uh, uh, American Society of Training Development and, you know, Everybody in there has true intentions, wants to make a difference, you know, and employers really want it to make a difference, but it sounds like it doesn't. That's right. And 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 there's not been much of a sea change in in that belief, I don't think. No, it's it's still a huge problem. Okay, so we're going to, before we close out today, we're going to get Danny to give us some um, insights on how to make um, a better impact when you're doing the training and development. But for now, we'll just sit tight with, with debunking that first myth um, with the knowledge that 80% of the time it doesn't work. There's not a long-lasting transfer. So let's go to myth number two. Okay. And myth number two in the book is if people value what they've learned in training, they'll do it on the job. Why is that a myth, and what's the real truth? Well, the truth is, is that they they want they may want to do it because they liked what they heard. Yeah, um, they got some they got some uh, practice, uh, you know, in the training. It feels yep. right, makes sense. Uh, they want to do it differently. They want to do it right. They, you know, these are good people. Right. Um, 
But what really happens is that in the in the flow of work, which in many cases is a very high pressured environment, and you know things are happening one thing after another, um, more on your plate than you can handle. And so right. what happens is is that in that environment, which is a typical work environment, people do what they've always done. In other words, yeah. they have habits, and habit, habits are brain based. You're wired for habits, and so they have them. You know, they develop these habits, and the wiring happened over a long period of time. And so the way they do it now, even though it maybe it causes issues in relationships and so forth, um, and maybe they they learn that they should be doing it different, they're still wired to do that. Uh, I I could tell you a little story. Um, There was something I was doing that really bothered my wife, and actually it it was a safety thing. I... You know, I'm like every, you know, a lot of people who, who are busy, and I like to just get up and go. And so yeah. what I would do, uh, we would be in the car, and I I would start the car, and I'm backing out of the driveway, and I wouldn't even realize that my seatbelt wasn't on until I was driving down the road. And I thought, oh, man. <clears throat> so here I am, you know, driving with my knees yeah. while I'm trying to stick that uh, uh, seatbelt in the socket there. And so uh, that was my habit. <laughs> yep. I mean, it was stupid, but uh, that's how I did it. And I'd been doing that for years. I even had friends who did, did the same thing. Um, so my wife, she, uh, she just, she gave me negative feedback about it and it didn't work. Um, she just kept after me. And so I started to feel a little bit ashamed, you know, I, yeah, I'm putting both of our lives at risk. It's not good to be driving 35 miles an hour and, and steering with your knees, you know. And so right. um, I said, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to change this. Uh, but what happened was is that I kept doing the, the old thing. Yep. I just kept after it. Uh, but it, it just was very frustrating and almost to the point where I thought, I can't do this. Uh, but I just persisted because, you know, I, I care about my wife and myself, and it is the wrong thing to do. It's probably against the law. And um, eventually I, my success rate started to improve. You know, I thought, well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm actually uh, buckling up before I start the engine now about half the time. That's good. Yeah. And, and today it's more like 99%. In other words, I rewired my brain. Yes, but that's the deal. So you, people do what it's their habit to do, unless you change the habit, and that's why well-intentioned people who've had good training end up doing the old thing. And it seems like the steps for—I mean, just in—and I know there's a more scientific way to see this, but based on that story, when you rewired your brain, one, it was awareness that, okay, I'm not doing this, and I should be, and then a desire had to be there, and then you had to get some feedback, even though it was negative, it was at least reminding you of your awareness, and then you had to take action a bunch of times before it just became a new habit, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of, I mean, I know I'm not following the true brain process, but are those pieces of the puzzle in order for people yes. to... Two, you know, I want to change, uh, but I can't change. How do I change? Yeah, that's right. Those things really help. And what you described there was sort of the outlines of a good training program. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's 
that's the problem, and that's the reality there. Yeah. So it has to do with when it doesn't. Um, when people are value the training, they like it. That's a piece of the puzzle, but it's just the start. They got to know right. what they they need to know what to do, and they have to value it. But then it's like they need all kinds of reinforcement in order to take it into action because we're just wired to do things the way we've always been doing it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we don't think about that. Um, in the training world so much. You know, I do my training and it was good and they liked it and off they go. So, okay, good good example too with the seatbelt too because that's like a simple thing. You'd think, okay, I'm just going to buckle my seatbelt, but it's not that simple because it's a behavior, it's a habit. Okay, so let's go to myth number three uh, in your book. If motivated people learn what to do in training, they'll begin using the desired skills consistently after they return to work. Well, that that's not true either. Uh, I mean, it could be if someone keeps after it and they, they try. But here, what really happens is, like I explained, they they have a neural neural pathways. These are physical. You know, yeah. one brain cell connected to another brain cell. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing, and they actually do connect, and what's, what causes them to connect is the behavior. The behavior forces the brain to uh, have one brain cell talk to another brain cell and until you know, a whole bunch of brain cells have talked to each other at very high speed, and it causes you to do a certain thing. So right. you, can, you can consciously make that happen, even though you don't have the habit to do it. Uh, it's not like we're... We're driven by our habits because we, we if we pay, if we concentrate, if we have an intention, yeah, if we have the time and we're not pressed to do something else, uh, then we can say, you know what, I'm not going to do it that way this time. I'm going to try this what I what I learned in training, and so yeah. you can do that. And when you do that, that stimulates the uh, brain cells. It, every brain cell has uh, thousands of little dendrites, which are the connectors. Right. What, hap- what happens is is that if you use do, do a certain behavior, it, stim- it it wants the path of least resistance, and so the the dendrites will reach out and connect to other brain cells. And the more you do that, the more established it gets, and with enough repetition, you can actually form a new neural pathway, and that that takes time. And like I said, you know, it can be frustrating because yep. you, you could forget because you're going too fast. Or, you, you know, you could do it poorly because you don't have a really good neural pathway. You don't have the experience. Yep. And so that could be frustrating. And you think you could you could end up saying, you know, I don't know about this. Maybe this isn't right for me. Yeah. And you give up. And that's where the eighty percent happens. You see, is when yeah. You say, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, and then it's easier because you just go back to your old habits because those are automatic. You know. Yeah. And so, uh, even if the old to, habits are painful or causing problems, yeah. you want to go back to it because your brain's wired to do that. That's right. right. Basically, that's, right? Okay. We 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 say you know that's just who I am. Okay, we can work around that. And yeah. so you rationalize and you give up on what was what you learned in training. Well, I call that the crunch point. Yeah, the crunch point is is where it's really hard and you and you start to give up. And I almost yeah. did that with my belt buckle thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, but um, 
if you persist and you make a conscious effort, then yeah. with enough repetition over time, you can build a new neural pathway. It's like, you know, you have this old country road that you've been driving down for ages, but it's got potholes in it and it takes longer to get where you're going. But if there's a, you know, you could construct a something like an, a super highway and get there a lot faster and a lot easier and without all the issues. But it takes a lot of work to construct that new route, you see. Yeah. So, so don't give up. Keep after it. And a lot of people have asked me, you know, how long does it take? Yeah. Well, the answer is, with a lot of the stuff that you do in the workplace, it depends on how complicated it is. You know, how complex yeah. is the skill, how complex is the behavior pattern. Well, to remember to buckle your seatbelt is very simple. But it took me a couple of months. Yeah. So how complicated is the, is the thing you want to do, and how many times do you do it every day? All of those yeah. variables. And so if you don't do it very often and it's very complex, it could take a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, I'll give you another personal issue that I had. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I guess I, I used to be a type A person and I, I, and I knew a lot of things and I, I wanted to get things done. And I, so I would become impatient and I, wouldn't, I was not a very good listener at one point in my life and and my business partner um pointed out to me that it you know I wasn't being a good listener that I was making people unhappy and it was really affecting the team and I I thought what are you talking about <laughs> you know yeah. I've written articles on listening I've taught listening I know what listening is I've been doing this for 35 years you know I I learned how to listen in, in a 30-day training program back in 1976. So give me a break, you know. What yeah. are you talking about? And But with enough feedback, I thought, you know, she's right. Yeah. But it took me, it took, it took, it took more than a year for me to really um, walk my talk, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I did it because I, I, I guess I was being held accountable and I was getting yeah. feedback. And so I kept after it and got past the crunch point. And so I don't have that issue anymore. You know, it's just one of my little personal success stories. But the truth is I I had to do the reps. Yeah. I to, oh, I like that. I had to do the reps. You know, it's not, uh -huh. it's not like building a muscle, but it's, but you're building a brain circuit. Yeah. It, it takes, it takes the repetitions of the behavior many, many times uh, and so we, we build a new habit that way. And that's really what should happen in training, you see. Yeah. Because, because we're saying, look, this is, this is the more effective way to do these things. Yeah. And, so, and then people will say, you know, you're right, but they have to do the reps. And that's yeah. why all that money is being wasted, because they, they don't have the follow-through programs to do the reps. Yeah. Because people won't do them on their own. It, they just need some support, you know, they need somebody to give them feedback, they need encouragement, they need to be reminded of the behavior that's desired, uh, they need accountability, um, and so there's a lot of things that you can do to support someone who's struggling with this. Even So training is actually really important because yes. it, it builds the familiarity with what is supposed to happen. Right. So people people get the concept 
but they don't have the skill. They don't have the behavior pattern. Uh, but it's important to get that concept and to understand why it's important. That's what training does for us. So we'll yeah. always need good training, uh, and we should do that up front. But what's been missing is the follow-through. Is the follow-through, definitely. And I love, I love if people know that there's a crunch point and they know prior to that that there's a connection in their brain that needs to be made and that it's going to be difficult at first but can get better if you can get through the crunch point. I mean, now when you look back, you don't even think about listening because you know you're doing it. That's right. But it had to be very conscious once you decided, okay, I, I do need to take this to the next level. Um, so it's just so, that's such an interesting understanding that I think is missing. In the uh, the reps, I love that you have to do the reps. So we've got to provide tools to help help people not only get the concept but do the reps. Well, and you can't get enough reps in a training course. No, unless no. you're in the army. In the yeah. army, that's all they do is train. You know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. they do they do get the, you go to work and you train, and so you do get the reps, and that's but that's a different situation. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go to the the last myth. It's a follow-on of the other myths, um, but it is covered in your book. So let's just mention that and see what else comes out of this um, if, as you bust it and tell us what the real truth is. Myth number four is if you invest in training and follow through reinforcement and if people ingrain the business-related skills they learned in training, they will perform at a very high level. Okay, so we want that myth to be true. We want us, we want people to be able to do training and reinforcement to get it and perform well, but that's not always the case uh, according to your myth. Tell us. It's not it's not always the case because because the thing that they were learning in training and the thing that they were reinforcing after training uh was important. But that's not yep. the whole the, that's not the whole picture of what really happens in the workplace. Um, yep. There are a couple of areas that um, are always important that are not always addressed in uh, training. And what I'm talking about is, for one thing, what we call people skills <clears throat> or interaction skills, how people w deal with each other and communicate with each other. Um, that's one of the things. And it's basic. I mean, how many how many jobs or professions are there where you, you just don't have to interact with people to get your job done? Not very many. Not any. Yeah. I yeah. can't. Well, you could, if you think about it, you might be able to come up with one or two, but it, but most of the time you need to be good at dealing with people. And if you aren't, it really hurts. It, it, it makes things difficult and sometimes impossible and so you, you could have had this great training and you could have had a great follow through and you're ready to go and you've got new wiring, but how about your people skills? So a lot of people do have good people skills. Um, I'm not sure where they got them, but you know, I'm, it's wonderful when they do have them, but, um, right. because you know what, we aren't taught good people skills. Yep. We, you know, when we were young, you know, that wasn't part of the curriculum. So where do you learn this stuff? How, where do you learn how to listen? Where do you learn how to give feedback? You know, and I've identified about 80 different people skills. So where do you learn that stuff? And the yep. answer is you learn it just by growing up with your mom and your dad and your friends and the other people around you. 
and you and you just do what they do and yep. you do what you think works and so you you end up wiring habits of communication and and dealing with people and that's so you end up as an adult in the workplace doing those things that way that's what really yep. happens so yep. a lot of the times it causes issues because you didn't learn the best way there there is a best way for almost every people skill you can think of at this point, we, you and I and others, we have just uh, learned how what's what's effective and what's not, and so we're able right. to teach it to people. Um, but most people, they, they learned it on the street, it, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, that's whoever that's they were exposed it. to. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what. That's where you learned it, and you probably had to yeah. um, learn new new patterns along the way. And all so, the time, I'm learning new yeah, patterns. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So it's yeah. all important. You see, it's really important stuff, and it's not always addressed in training. So that's one of the things. And there's another huge area that's not addressed in training. In fact, it's almost never addressed in training. It's what I call personal strengths. Uh, a lot of people have, have described this, these areas as um, um, character strength. Mm, okay, uh, and I think I think character strength is part of it. Some people call it emotional intelligence, but I'm not sure I know what that means or, or that I think that's accurate. But um, I'm talking about um, things like integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, these uh, or being proactive, or yep. perse- perseverance and patience and um, Tolerance, self-discipline. You see, these these are important things because in the workplace it gets really challenging, and yep. so that's one of the things young people they don't get when they're being protected by their parents and they're young and so forth. They don't really understand just how challenging, how hard it is to do everything in as an adult, and, and especially at work. It's just problems come up. Yeah, people. People don't cooperate with you. You know, they have their own agendas, and and the and the thing you're trying to do ends up being more complicated than you ever believed. And and so you just have to work through it. You have to do hard things. Well, will you do it or not? Will you will you get frustrated and and lose heart? You know, will you give up on what you're trying to do? And and the, you know, we don't want you to do that. We want you to stick with it. We want you to do the hard things, the right things. We don't want you. Yep taking shortcuts and so forth. Well, that those are personal strengths. And a lot of people have thought of them as um, uh, attributes or, or values. Uh, these, those are interesting words, but I like to think of them as behavior patterns. Ah, uh, yes. If a person says, uh, I'm not afraid of this. I, I've got the courage to do it. Well, I want to see some courage. <laughs> yeah. If you if you really are courageous, it's because you've acted that way. Because you've faced uh, scary things and done and moved ahead anyway. Yeah. So it's a behavior pattern. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. So if it's a behavior pattern, I can wire my brain for it. Yes. But we but we all have these, and so in some cases the wiring is not very good 
for some of these things, and some cases yep. there's no wiring, no wiring at all. It all depends, you know. Did you get, did you wire your brain for patience when you were growing up, or not? And uh, so, really, the reality there is um, is that there are other areas that you have to pay pay attention to. People skills and personal strengths, and those are core because they relate to just about any job you'll ever do. Yeah, and they are foundational. You know, they're foundational to, they they are what we bring to every interaction or any use of training is how well can we communicate it and, you know, what's our perseverance or integrity. Uh, so that makes a lot, a lot of sense. And it kind of says to me, too, I think I'm thinking about, I do some uh, selection assessment type stuff and it, 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 while we want to help people develop these things, it sure does make sense to be looking for these things prior to hiring people as well and making sure that you're finding people who have the kind of core strengths and personal skills that are important to the job because building but, them is uh, a long-term experience, it seems. Well, it's <clears throat> that's the way it's it's looked at now and it's, it's try to find people who have these strengths. Um a lot of the so-called millennials, the young 20-somethings and 30-somethings yep. that we have in the workplace have been criticized because they lack some of these personal strengths. For whatever reason, uh, they've come to, they don't have a work ethic that we expect. Um, and so a lot of employers these days are saying, you know, I'm, whether it's a millennial or, or someone else, here's what I'm looking for. I want to see some grit. I want to mm-hmm. see honesty, you know, and so forth. And so they'll hire the right people. But one of the insights about thinking of these personal strengths as behavior patterns is that you can form them. And and the way you do that is by doing the reps. Yeah. uh, I think it was, I'll paraphrase it because I don't have the quote in front of me, but Aristotle said we become... By be, by doing courageous acts, we become courageous. Courageous, yep. By playing the harp, we become a harpist. Yes. And so he was on to it. He knew it. That's cool. Uh, but it's true. Uh, what I learned about behaviors is that you can ingrain them. You can, uh, if you do them enough, it becomes habit. So that means that if people get enough coaching and they focus on these things, they can actually improve them. They can yes. actually change who they are, and I've done that. Yes. So, anyway, those those are the core strengths, uh, the core core areas, and so we have to pay attention to those too, if we want, if we really want high levels of performance. Yeah. So it's if you've got this uh, whole level of personal strength and core strength, kind of the foundation of who someone is their behavior patterns, then you've got the actual knowledge that they need to have. And then I guess the other piece is just that uh, if we were trying to simplify, they have to have the willingness or desire to to travel that circle, you know, to, to, to take the effort, to learn the skill, to, to deepen the foundation of who they are. Um, the desire has to be there, doesn't it? Yes, and, and in the follow-through, it helps to have people who hold us accountable and keep giving us feedback and encourage yeah. us. And if we want it, if we want to 
to be more persistent and not give up, then we can build that pattern. But yes. this is not generally recognized. Uh, the brain, <laughs> the brain-based view of character strength. <laughs> uh, but it's true. Yeah, it's not generally recognized. Say more about that. Well, what I mean is um, uh, the connection between I think thinking of these strengths as being behavior patterns, and what is a behavior pattern, really? Yeah, yes. It's a habit, something we kept doing, uh, something we've decided that we had to do, and we did it, and we just have a habit, right? Right. So I think uh, just knowing what some of these strengths are, thinking about them, and realizing what they really are, and, and saying, hey, you know, I am a very patient person, so I don't need to work on that. Well, that's good. But what do you need to work on? Is there anything that's that's causing problems uh, for you? And so if you can say, well, you know, um, I'm, imp- I'm impatient. Okay. People have been telling me that. I can work on that. So yeah. It's, it's just not something that when we plan for training and conduct training, it's it's not something that we've thought about very much, uh, these core strengths. But I, what I'm really saying is I think trainers, human resource professionals, ought to become smarter about these things, people skills and personal strengths. And they ought to take those on, and they ought to uh, realize how important they are to high levels of performance and and that they should address them in training and follow-through. Right. And would you say that um, tools that are currently used to address that might be things like 360 feedback, um, when they're, when you're saying take those on, I mean, somewhat they're being addressed because that's talking about behavior, correct? That's a good point. Um, because they are behavior, they're observable. Yeah. And so people can notice whether you're um or being uh loyal or whether you're you're taking initiative or whether you try to get you know you you do things in a very at a very excellent level or whether you're fair um or whether you keep your cool you know you have composure there's a, there's just a lot of these strengths and yes. that they they are observable and and so if we want to focus on them, we can use 360-degree feedback and get people's uh, assessments of these things with each other. And so we can, we can identify our strengths. And maybe there's some things that people are saying that they want more of or so they want it better. So yeah. that would be an insight. So I think you're right. I think Yeah, it's a start anyway. I mean, that's a tool that is common and you have one of the best tools in the market that I've used for so many years um, that helps at least identify it but the the piece that needs to go along with it and what I hear you saying is the accountability the follow-up the encouragement um, in order to make that behavioral pattern change in the brain physically Um, so it, it it's some of that's out there the the focusing on people skills and personal strengths, but it sounds like there needs to be a little bit more rigor attached to it. Well, you know, what you're saying is um, it, <clears throat> it highlights a, 
an, an opportunity area for our profession. Um, we, you know, we've been talking about, you know, accountability and encouragement and feedback and so on. We're talking about coaching. Yeah. That's what all, that's what all that is. Yeah. Uh, but, but where do you get those coaches? If, that, if that's what's needed in the follow through, where do you get these coaches? Yeah. I mean, where do they get coaching? And so that becomes a really tough problem. Uh, one of the things that makes it tough is that we, even though we have lots of people uh, who are professional coaches, call them business coaches or, ex- or executive coaches or whatever, um, they're, they don't do this for free, you know. So Right. It's cost- um, it can be costly or feel costly or... Well, yes. So if you've got uh, a lot of people who need coaching, can you afford it? Yeah. Can you bring these people in and and get this regular coaching? Um, And a lot of times uh, all they can afford is for the upper level management or maybe maybe just once a month, you know, so it's like a minimal amount of coaching. And so this is the issue. This is a problem. So... Uh, how do we get that coaching? And and along the way, I've I've discovered some things that can work, and uh, they ha- they're they're not easy. Uh, one of them is is to look at at supervisors and um, middle management, in other words, the boss. Yeah. And say, boss, that's part of your responsibility is to nurture yep. your people. Okay. Yep. You don't just tell them what to do. You want them to get better on the job, and so yep. you need to be—you need to be a better coach. If you know, if you're not just bossing people around, and you really want to get performance, you need to work on being a coach as well. So when they come back from training, uh, you can give them that encouragement, and you can—you can monitor them, and you can uh, hold them accountable, and do all these things that actually add up to the follow-through. So that's yeah. a, that's a possible answer. Um, what I've found in in organizations is that some of them don't buy it. You know, some of them say that's not my job. Right. That's HR's job or whatever. That's a trainer's job, not my job. So there's resistance and pushback among many managers. You know, they're already really really busy <clears throat> earning. Yeah earning their pay and so forth. And so now you're saying, you want me to be a coach? You want me to be what a trainer's supposed to be? So they argue about that. So there's a little pushback about that. But my my bias is, yeah, it's your job. Yes. So let's help you be a better coach. And so that's some of the things that you can do in organizations is help them, help managers be better coaches. And I think that's an excellent thing to do. And there's another thing that, that I found that's possible that I think is awesome, actually. And that is uh, an organization over time can develop what I call a coaching culture. Yep. Which me, which goes beyond the, the supervisors where uh, team members lead each other. You know, they coach each other. They, they yep. learn, oh, what, you know, I could, Joe here, has this issue, but he's learned how to do it in training, so that's good. And so I want to help him. What can I do? You know, I want him to be a better team member. So if that person understands the realities of 
skill development and performance, and if that person can learn how to be a better listener and be a, a better at giving feedback and giving how to give good encouragement. In other words, uh, anybody in the workplace can build on the communication skills they have and end up being uh, what I call a support coach for their peers. Yeah. Yep. So as a lot of times it's called peer coaching. Uh, I call it support coaching. It's the same thing. Um, so that can happen. And if we help peop- everyone in an organization to learn to do these simple things, then everybody can help everybody else follow through yeah. and, and, and overcome those, those deficits and, and get, get better at what they're doing, even, even personal strengths. You see, so the coaching culture is a, an ideal situation, but it's but it's also practical. Yeah, um, we can do that, and so those are some of the things that can be done. Um, and 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 actually doing something about follow through is really important. Um, yeah, but none of it's easy, you know. And, and it starts with, oh, you know, getting past these myths. And understanding what's really happening and how hard it really is so that you then do those hard things and actually wire people's brains and help them get good habits in the workplace. And it seems like it's just, it's one of those things where we have to say, just like diet and exercise, it's something you'll always be working on, evolving to, becoming... um, you know, kind of like your example of the uh, listening. You know, it's like I've taught it, I know it, you had it to a certain degree, but there was a new level of learning that you implemented. And so it's the same thing in, in organizations and with individuals that it's a process, not, a, yeah. not an event. And it's something that um, if it's a priority, you will see movement on the needle um, creating that co- uh, coaching culture, but it's not going to happen overnight. No, but it's kind of like, you know, the scripture about teaching people to fish. Yes. Uh, if you help an organization be, to become a coaching culture and you put technology in their hands uh, yes. for, doing, for doing that coaching, then you're empowering them to do the, the kind of follow-through that you need to really get results from training. So... I, that's really why we developed this program that you mentioned, um, uh, ProStar Coach. Yeah, it's a, it's really a technology. Uh, you know, it's a, a tool, an online virtual coaching tool that an organization can use with their employees, and um, <clears throat> basically, it's all about getting the reps and to have getting, getting the reps, getting the encouragement, getting uh, the reminders. Uh, Getting the feedback, all of those things are built into ProStar Coach. Even even getting the support coaches is facilitated. Yeah. I mean, support coaches are real people; they're not virtual. Yeah, so yeah, you, real people yeah. that are surrounding the individual who's being going through the process. They can get real feedback from their peers, and it. And what's so amazing, and I'm going to go into more detail um, about ProStar Coach when we finish, um, but. It is an amazing tool in that people can get feedback. It's, it makes it easy for people to to get used to having a coaching culture and giving each other feedback and 
helps the supervisor be the be the coach because all the tools are there. They don't have to figure it out on their own. So it could actually reduce some of that resistance to it. You know, when when you're very busy, having some technology behind it to track it and remind and reach out and um, not having to recreate the wheel. I remember about uh, 10 years ago, but before we developed ProStar Coach, um, we talked about this issue of, you know, the shortfalls in training, where there was no follow-through. Yeah. We had um, meetings of, of the people who worked with us, you know, sort of conferences. And right. We had very lively discussions about it, and we did brainstorming and everything, and to try to pick their brains, okay, what do what do we what will work you know what how can we change this and and it boiled down to well it's so difficult that there needs to be some kind of technology support yeah we we have technology support for training why can't we have technology support for the follow through and there wasn't any mm. so over the years we got to work on that and it it's it's been a journey but it's it's really pretty good right now one, and one of the things that's in it is uh, there are some videos and an ebook that actually help an ordinary employee become a support coach. So yeah, the support. so you know it's just like being a trainer. You know, you train what you want to, you teach what you want to learn. So it's almost like through, through this technology, ProStar Coach, people are becoming coaches because they're doing learning the skills to help their peers. And meanwhile, they're learning it for themselves. Um, it's just powerful in every way. Yeah. And it's doable. Yeah. We're not talking about rocket science. We're talking about things they already do, only doing them better. Yeah. So the technology support for the follow through, and that's what ProStar Coach is. And um, here shortly, as I mentioned, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on this call about that tool. Um, but Danny, what you have shared has been so helpful. Um, some of the key points, you know, about the power of per- people skills and personal strengths, and that those are behavior patterns that can. Um, evolve and become a new habit, but it takes a lot of focus and a lot of reps. I mean, knowing all that and how important follow-through is. Um, curious, uh, you wrote the book, um, Dark Secret, um, The Dark Secret of Human Resource Development, uh, sharing these myths. What kind of impact do you think it's had? Um, what what kind of have you seen? Has it fallen, you know, on deaf ears, or is it? Are people picking it up? What? Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, you're you're laying it all out there for all of us to see, and as you explain it, it seems so clear and so obvious of what needs to be done. But it is are people getting it? Well, uh, <clears throat> they have these mindsets about training. You know the myths. Mm-hmm. And, and they're and they're very well intentioned and they make sense, but it's not linked to the reality of how learning really yep. happens. So that has to be overcome. It's not easy, you know, to change people's concepts of what really goes on in training and what's good and what works and so forth. Why? Right. So uh, there have been uh, a number of books written about the shortfall. You know, the eighty percent of wasted training. Um, <clears throat> 
but I'm not sure that those books uh, made much of a difference. I mean, it's a tremendous thing to write a book about that, and and some of them yes. are very good. There's a woman named Mary Broad. Yeah, familiar book called with her. Transfer of Training back in mm-hmm. 1992, and she's written a couple of books about that since, and, and everything that she says is on target. Um, what is not said in any of the books is what what learning, skill learning really is, mm-hmm. and the difference between the familiarity that, that you achieve in training and and the actual habits that can be formed in the workplace and why habits are necessary, that's that's what's missing. Yeah. So people need to learn those things. And once they do, they'll understand what they have to do next. And it's not easy, and that's part of the problem. Yep. Achieving a coaching culture, you don't do that in a, in a weekend. I mean, for heaven's sake, you know. But it's yeah, doable. got to be some commitment. But it is doable. And that's what's so, so exciting about your technology is that's a key piece of it is it's got to make it not overwhelming for folks. Well, yes. If they want to do it, they're saying, well, can you help me? What have you got? You know, well, now in the last couple of years, we have this this technology called ProStar Coach that supports that effort. So yeah. it's new. And that's, that's one of the things that, that you know, as the developer of this technology, that's interesting to me, <clears throat> it, which is that it's so new, it's so different. Yeah. So you have you have to explain it to people. You know, here's why we built it this way. Here's why you have to do these things. Here's how this works. And it's very different from any kind of other uh, online training-related system that there is. So it's a, it takes quite a bit of education. That's the effort that, that we make. And it's like moving a battleship, you know. You can yeah. move hard against it, but it's not going to move very much. But eventually it will. So, yeah, a shift yeah. here, a shift there, some movement, and next thing you know, you're down down the way. Well, people like you are are going to move the battleship. You know, it's it's wonderful yep. that, that that you understand these things and and you're trying to do the same thing. So, um, I think I think it'll take that the changes will happen, um, but it'll take it'll take some some time. It'll take some years. But I'm very hopeful. I have to be, you know, because that's my business. Yes. Yes, and you you um, have a great business. The tools that I have used um, with your support and your colleagues' support have just um, mattered so much to me in my business and have helped a lot of people. So keep doing what you're doing in regard to the research and telling the truth and missing, uh, busting these myths. Um because it is making a difference. Um, I'm going to close with just some basic actions trainers and leaders can can take as a result of this call today. So we've shared a lot of good insights, and they understand, okay, there's this technology, and they understand a coaching culture might be important. Um, are there some things that they could begin doing right away that could start moving the needle just a little bit? Can you think of some actions or... Um, Something well, you know, that they thing, can start doing. Go ahead. Sorry. I think one thing that that they could do is just uh, get a hold of this book. Okay. Because this is that you know this is the, uh, the the truth and and the and the the insights about how learning happens. It's all laid out there in very simple terms. It's not a long book, 
Right, I, and I've got a link to that. I'll I'll get the link and put it in the show notes. Um, oh, so that's people great. Can get that yeah. book. So that that's yes. one thing they could do up front, and I I think that would probably be a a very important first step. And um, learn there there are th- by the way, it's possible to get um, those videos uh, about the support coaching that I spoke of. Okay, I'll get, get a link yeah. to those too. We, yeah, we, they're so important that we made them available free. Okay, so I'll get a link and put that in the show notes so people could they could go look at the support coaching videos. And what would they get if they look at those? They'll get some ideas around what it, what it means to be a support coach. And it's yeah. almost like mini training, is that right? Mini training exactly. for the start of having your supervisors be better coaches, having your coaching culture start being created so they can have access to those videos immediately. Is that right? Well, yes. Uh, they're they're okay. how-to videos, and they're nine. Okay, perfect. And okay. they're not long, so they don't bore you. You know, they okay. all all meet, you know. So best-case scenario is uh, make give access to everyone in your organization free, you know, so that they learn these things, and, and that, that would push the needle. See, that would move things forward. So that's okay. Awesome. Okay. I knew that I had seen them, but I didn't know they were available. So I will get the link and that'll be in the show notes. Um, so people can go look at those and have access to those. And they're going to get a link to the book, um, the dark secret of of human resource development. So they can kind of ingrain. I mean, even now, I mean, I've been in this world most of my career and I have worked with you guys for years. Um, way back when you first started a lot of this, at least sharing it, you know, and I still need to ingrain the concepts around what it takes because I can get easily sucked into the training world of, oh, I'll do this great training and it'll make a huge difference, you know. So anyway, so I think reading the book and just ingraining, creating that, that, those neural pathways in our own minds as professionals and trainers and coaches, you know, what does it really take? And then continually going back to that and making sure that we're lining up what we do to match that so that there is success. You know, I think uh, a lot of people who have learned how to become great trainers and great coaches like you, um, that's a profession. uh, And um, it's also a business. And maybe one way to put it is expand on that. Yeah. So that so that what you're doing is you're giving them not only the front end of learning, but the follow through, which which goes, like you said, practically indefinitely. And yeah. Now we now we have information and we have tools that support all of that. So. No reason not to do it. It's a more of a helping your organization yourself first have the have the mental change and emotional connection and of what is the truth, and then helping those around you come with you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Find, yeah, just find out about these tools and check them out and and uh, learn about them. And those are those are some of the simple actions that people can do right now. Awesome, Denny, you're great. This was very, very helpful. Appreciate all the work you're doing and all the research and um, integrity in which you, with which you work. And um, just thanks for being on the call today. Well, Susie, uh, it's it's been wonderful working with you all these years, and, and this is something that's really important. So I enjoy talking about it, and 
I really appreciate your wanting to talk about it uh, on this interview. All right, Denny, thank you. Okay, goodbye. Okay, what did you think of the interview uh, and the myths? Did they surprise you? And even as I was reading them back out loud to him, I've read the book. I'm, like I said earlier, I'm familiar with the research. And it is funny that these are myths and that that need to be debunked. And it's going to be a process. But uh, it is a surprise that some of them are myths. The show notes for today's show can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Mythbusters. And um, in the interview, I talk or we talk a little bit about ProStar Coach. I have an article on my website that'll give you a little bit of an overview and a recap on what it is. And you can find it as well as get a link to the human resource um, book that he wrote, uh, The Dark Secret of HRD, by going to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Pro Star Coach. That's all together. P R O S T A R Coach. All one word, lowercase. So you can go there and you can uh, get a link to Pro Star Coach and kind of read some notes. I talk a little bit about reps and and how this tool helps. It's a cool tool because it's complete um, and it also can be customized with consulting tools that you have or specifics. Um, it's confidential, so individual people can go on and work on different personal strengths and different development help, and um, it's confidential, so they can look at it and work on it on their own, but they can also um, have get coaching support. So you can invite uh, people to be your support coaches, and then if you oh, use this system in an, in an organization, you can see on the back end how much time people are spending using it, and so you can you can kind of hold some people accountable to the use of it and uh, see how what their activity is. But basically, the tool is so cool because it's virtual and it does all those things we talk about in the interview. It provides helps create a coaching culture, coaching culture. It um, provides accountability. It um, does the repetition. You talked about doing the reps and it does it all cost less than a. BP gas station cup of coffee a day. Um, so it's cheaper than Starbucks coffee in regard to, you know, how much it costs to build and have this support to help your brain help you create the neuro pathways to create the habits and behaviors that you individually want or if you're a trainer or a consultant in an organization that you want your employees to uh, build. So it is a cool tool. There's nothing out there on the market like it. Uh, you can go to pricelessprofessional.com mythbusters forward slash mythbusters to get the show notes and get to the links. And you can also go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash coach and get um, uh, the link to ProStarCoach to take a look at it. They have some trials and things you can look at. An individual can use it or it can be used by an organization. And then you can also always call me. My contact number is there on the show notes. And lastly, early on, I provided a link for 360 Feedback. That's something I specialize in. If you find you need 360 Feedback help, you just want to talk to me a little bit about a project you're considering, uh, give me a shout. I have tools for consultants, tools for in organizations. I can run projects. But the, to find that information and, and look at a lot of the free resources I have, go to pricelessprofessional.com 
forward slash three six excuse me three six zero feedback, and that's all lowercase. So thank you for joining us for this episode today. I hope you found it helpful. You, we can stay in touch by doing a follow up to me via the show notes. You can also add your comments on the show notes. And I look forward to our next episode. I think I'm going to do something around planning and getting things done. I have something I do called the list of six. And I'm not by nature an organized person. I can be very messy. And I've just found some tools that have been very helpful to keep me from being messy. People often say I get a lot of things done. And while I am not a time management expert, I've often thought how nice it would be to share some of these tools and some of these little secrets and nuances uh, with others. Often in coaching, uh, um, I'd always want to go a little deeper into the list of six and uh, getting things done and some of the things that I have that help me be a better planner and organizer of my time. So I think that's going to be the next episode. Check in, uh, subscribe at uh, wakeupeagleworkforce.com. You can go there and you can subscribe via iTunes and via Stitcher. And you can also get our RSS feed if you want to be notified of future episodes. So go out there and have a wonderful day. And I look forward to our next interaction. All the best. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 